0: Welcome to the podcast at Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Well, this morning we'll be in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, and we'll be looking at the Church of Philadelphia um it's not Philadelphia PA Pennsylvania but Philadelphia one of these cities in Asia Minor uh, that uh, Jesus was writing to I'm gonna step back and talk a little bit about the context here um, when Jesus was speaking here um, in in revelation to these seven churches uh, he, he's Dictating basically seven letters to seven churches about um, their strengths and their weaknesses, the things that need to be fixed, the things that they're doing well. And uh, in each one of these letters, he first begins by addressing who he is. And, and most of what we've seen so far, he's been looking back at what we saw in chapter 1, this description of Him who was one who had eyes like flames of fire, who who had a white robe that went all the way down to His feet, who had a golden sash around His waist, He had the, the seven stars in His hand, and He walked among the golden lampstand. All of those things pointed to things about Jesus' nature, about how He walks among His churches. He's in control of what happens to His churches. He has eyes like flames of fire. Nothing. Nothing escapes His gaze. He is magnificent. He is wonderful. He is powerful. And He is strong to save. Jesus here, He comes to the, the church of Philadelphia. And unlike five of the seven churches, this is one where He does not have anything negative to say to them. He tells them how they have been faithful. And He tells them that He has the keys and He's going to open a door that no man can shut. Let's hear from Jesus right now as we read His Word. Beginning in verse 7, "...and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true One, who has the key of David." who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews but are not, The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. And he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, that is our prayer, that we would have ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us. Lord, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, glory on your pages. Lord, open our eyes that we might see. And Lord, open our mouths that we might tell of this wonderful grace that we have in you. Father, be with me. A sinner, in need of your grace, Lord, give me grace to preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Just like all the other letters, Jesus starts out, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. The words of the Holy One, the true one. Jesus here begins to talk about Himself, about who He is. But He departs from what we've seen so far. Before we saw in all these descriptions of Him, He was looking back to what we saw in chapter 1. This King with eyes like flames of fire and all of those things. But here He he begins to talk about some other characteristics. He says He is the Holy One. Jesus is holy. Holy. He is holy because He is God Himself. That He has existed from all eternity as the second Person of the Trinity. That He has existed from all eternity with God the Father, and He is so different from us. Yet, He is holy because He also lived a sinless life. While He came and lived among human beings, He came down and He never sinned one time. He lived through all the ages of being an infant, a toddler, a teenager, all of those uh, sections of life. And He never sinned one time. Not one wrong attitude. Not one wrong word. Not one wrong action. He never got angry in a, in a sinful way. He never did one sin. He is perfectly holy. He comes as the Holy One. And He says He is the true One. He is absolutely trustworthy. He is, of course, truthful because He is holy, but you know, we, we, the fact that He is the true One means we can trust what He says. When He comes to us, when He speaks in His Word, we don't have to question about whether or not it's true. It's coming from Him. He is the true One. He speaks with authority, and He is incapable of anything but truth. We can trust Him. We can take His Word to the bank. Have you trusted in Jesus? This true One? This fact that He calls Himself the true One? It's daring us to trust Him. He is trustworthy. Have you trusted in Him? Have you trusted His Word? What's keeping you from it if you haven't? If you haven't trusted in Jesus, are you willing to bet your life and your eternity on whatever it is you are trusting in? Trust in Jesus, the One who is the true One. We can trust what He says. And Jesus says, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. In our description that we saw in chapter one, Jesus said that he had the keys of death and Hades. He had power over death. He defeated death. He was he was crucified. He was buried in a tomb, yet he rose again and have it, he has power over death even now. And one day He was coming back again and we who believe in Him, who trust in Him, will raise just like He did and we will reign with Him. He has the keys of David. This key of David, it's a key that He has authority. What He says goes. And when Jesus opens the door, no one can shut it. And when Jesus closes the door, no one can open it. What Jesus does with these keys stands. And no one can change that. When we read elsewhere in the Bible about an open door we see that it's usually about an opportunity for evangelism and for ministry, for for evangelism, for sharing the Gospel. I believe here Jesus, whenever He opens a door for ministry, when He opens a door for us to be able to proclaim His Word, proclaim the Gospel, no one can shut that door. Jesus says to the church at Philadelphia, I know your works. He doesn't say anything negative about them. It's just, I know your works. They're a church that labors for Him. They, they, they love their neighbors. They, they work. He knows their works. They don't escape His notice. While we may be a small church in the eyes of the world, and this church in in Philadelphia was a small church in the eyes of the Roman Empire, they did not escape Jesus' notice. He knew their works. Jesus says, Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. This church... Philadelphia, they're small. The next line says they have but little power, yet because of Jesus, not because of their own strength, not because of their own power, not because of their own winsomeness, not because of anything in them, but because of Jesus having the keys, He has set before them an open door which no man can shut says i know that you have little power but you have kept my word and not denied my name this church was persecuted all of the churches in revelation that he is writing to were persecuted churches they were under the threat of rome Rome, they, they wanted all of their subjects, all of their citizens to be a part of the imperial cult. To, to worship Caesar. To, to bow down and say that Caesar is Lord. To be able to participate in all their sacrifices and their rituals that would in, implicate them in sexual immorality and in idolatry and all of those other things. And in the Roman world, there was no exceptions except one. They had so much difficulty getting the Jews to obey this command that they all bow down and worship Caesar that if they finally, after much, much struggle, gave them an exemption. They gave them an exemption so that the Jews and their synagogues they had an exemption. They didn't have to bow down to Caesar, which is more trouble than it was worth to the Romans. Jesus says to this church, "I know you have but little power, yet you have kept my word." They didn't do like what the church in Sardis maybe did, and they kept quiet. They didn't. They didn't uh, talk about Jesus. They just tried to fit into the synagogue. They didn't deny Jesus' name, but they kept his word, and they didn't. They also didn't compromise and fall into the sexual immorality or the idolatry that the Romans pressured them to do. They kept firm to His name. They did not deny His name, but they had little power. They were small. And in spite of all these enormous pressures, Jesus says He is opening a door for them. A door for evangelism. A door for the Gospel that they can go and, and proclaim Jesus says, verse 9, Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews, but are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet. They will learn that I have loved you. Jesus here talks about this synagogue of Satan. And he's talked about that in in another church before. These people who say that they're Jews. Now, they are probably ethnic Jews. They're meeting in the synagogue, but they have not trusted in Jesus the Messiah. And instead of embracing Jesus the Messiah, the long-awaited One, no, they turn in the Christians and say, well, they're not really Jews. We're the true Jews. They're not Jews. They turn them over to the authorities. This synagogue of Satan who... Say that they are Jews, but lie. Jesus says, if you hold fast to Me, if you hold firm to Me, and do not deny My name, those who are willing to turn you over to the authorities, they're going to come and bow down before your feet. That's what Jesus says to them. They will come and bow down before your feet and they will know that I have loved you. In spite of the pressures the culture may put on us, in spite of the pressures that life puts on us, all of those pressures that might cause us to want to compromise, that might cause us to want to be silent and not speak out for Jesus' name, all of those things, when He says, if we are faithful, if we stand firm, don't bend to compromise, stand up for His name. Those who are putting that pressure on us will come and they will bow down there at our feet. And they will know that Jesus loves us. The true God, the Holy One who has existed from all eternity loves us. Verse 10 because you have kept My word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. And I think this is talking about the, uh, the tribulation. Maybe you've, you've seen the left-behind movies or read the books, or, 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 or maybe you've studied... And understand a a system of theology um, to understand what's going on in the end times. And I'm not going to argue if we're positioned here. This is an area where Miss Dorothy and I, we uh, we don't see eye to eye. I'm going to explain. There's two ways to take this. Miss Dorothy will take this. That when Jesus comes, He's going to withdraw the church. He's going to pull the church out for seven years, whenever He comes, and then bring them back in after the seven years. Am I explaining that right? So this keep you from the hour of trial means that when this tribulation goes on, the church will be gone. church will be removed. I hold the other position, and I'm going to explain what that means. Um, I believe uh, that... The uh, the church, whenever it says it will keep you from the hour of trial, I think that's talking about keeping through the hour of trial. Like like when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, God kept them from the trial, but He was right there in the midst of them. They went through the fiery furnace, and He preserved them all the way through. I'm not really wanting to try to argue who's right about that. But the point that we have to notice is it says, Because you have kept my word about the patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial. Jesus is going to preserve us, whether he removes us from the world or whether he preserves us all the way through. Why is he going to do it? It's because we have kept his word. Mm. He has kept my word. I am coming soon. What a great encouragement! I am coming soon. It may not feel like it. It's been two thousand years, but what did Jesus say? What is the? What did Peter say? You know, to a day is as a thousand years with God. You know, in the end times when 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 uh, people are are wondering, you know, where is the promise of His coming? Where is the promise of His coming? But the Lord is not slow as some count slowness. He's Patient toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's giving us time. But He is coming. And He is coming quickly. To the believer, that should be encouraging knowing He is coming while these, these afflictions, while this tribulation that we face may seem difficult. He's coming soon. It's just a light, momentary thing in comparison to all eternity and in comparison to the glory that He will be revealed one day when He comes. Jesus says, Hold fast to what you have so that no one may may seize your crown. Hold fast to what you have. There is a, a, we have to persevere. We have to hold fast to what we have, not to abandon it. Now, I, I believe that whenever a person is truly saved, Jesus will hold them fast. Jesus will never let them go. They are held securely in his hand and they will never be lost. But our Responsibility and God's sovereignty work together in such a way that we have to persevere. Our actions matter. When we are under that pressure, when, when the world says, deny Jesus, when the world says, give in to the pressures of the world, it matters what we do. Jesus will give us the strength to persevere, to hold fast. If we are believers, He will see us through every single trial. Verse 12, He ends this like He ends each of the letters. He gives a promise to the one who overcomes. If we haven't had enough motivation already to persevere, to to keep on holding fast to Jesus, here he gives us a promise. He says, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall never go out of it. (laughs) These believers in Philadelphia, they may have had to worry about the synagogue. And what they would do, you know they, 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 they would cast them out of the synagogue and Jesus here says, "Let them have their synagogue. I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple. Let them have their synagogue. this synagogue of Satan, I'll make you if you overcome, I'll make you a pillar in the temple, something greater than just the synagogue. a pillar that we stand firm that will never be removed hold fast to what you have the one who conquers I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God he shall never go out of it and I will write on him the name of my God what does it mean that Jesus will write on him the name of my God what does it mean when we write our name on something well, i give josh a gift a, 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 a toy for Christmas and he writes his name on it what does that mean it means that toy is josh's the one who overcomes he will make us a pillar in the king in the temple of my god and i will write his name the name of my god upon him when we overcome he will write his name on us We are His. He will never let us go. And I will write the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. He's writing where we belong. We're no longer citizens of this world. We're citizens of this new Jerusalem that's coming down out of heaven when we think about what happens in the future, we will be raised. If we've trusted in Jesus, we will raise. When we die, we don't just go into the ground and rot and stay there forever. No, Jesus will raise us from the dead when He comes and we will reign with Him and He is going to make everything new, a new creation where all the things in this world that don't work, All the sickness, the disease, all the distorted relationships, all of that will be fixed forever. And there will be a new city, a new Jerusalem that's coming down from heaven. And that's where we belong. He says, and my own new name. That's one of the things he'll write down on us. What's Jesus' own new name. There are things about Jesus that we won't know until then. When He comes, we'll be able to experience Him for more of what He is. Things that He already is, but we just haven't had revealed to us. He will give us a more and greater intimacy with Him than we could have ever experienced in this life. He will write His own new name. Upon us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He doesn't tell this church in Philadelphia to repent of something they've done wrong. He says, You have been holding fast. Keep it up. Hold fast to my name. And if you keep firmly fixed on my word, I will keep you. And we're not earning this in some sense, that way we have to be so good so that Jesus will accept us. That's not what this is saying. No, His Word, when we keep it, it's living, it's abiding, and its results are that it will keep us. Let's hear what Jesus has to say to us. Hold fast. Hold firm to His name. Don't deny it. He promises great, great things for us. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.